0: the living Word. And so Lord, we pray now that You come, speak to us, Lord. All the distractions around us, Lord, we just want to put them aside and tune into You, Lord. What a blessing You who created the heavens and the earth long to speak to us this morning. And so Lord, come, do Your work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to share God's Word with us this morning. Andrew is such a blessing to us as a church, to me personally as well. And so can we make Andrew feel really welcome as he comes to share with us now. Thank you, Nathan. Well, it's a blessing to be here and I'm blessed by you as our church. Just always love to say that. I'm so encouraged. Our family is so encouraged to be blessed and part of this church too. Just want to say thank you for that. If it's your first time to Bridgman, welcome. It's so good that you're here and just really pray you feel welcome and at home, if you're visiting as well, and also to those online, we love our online church, love what God's doing through that, so great to have you online as well. And we continue in our series in James, I think it's this, this is our last, I know it's our last, but I think it's been 12 weeks in the book of James and this is our last one. I wonder what your response is, is it, ah, like, oh, we've really loved James, I feel we've got to know the book of James, been blessed by that or maybe you're excited to move on to something else, but we have been really blessed uh, through this book. And today, as we look at chapter five, we we look at, or James looks and teaches about the power of prayer. The reality that in, in prayer, we are able to access the power of God at work in and through our lives. As I was thinking about this this week, I was reminded of... Uh, A guy lived in the 1800s, George Muller. Now many will know that George Muller ran this incredible ministry to orphans in Bristol in the UK at a time when many kids were on the streets, they were working in factories. Apparently before he started his ministry there was more young people in jail um, than in orphanages or being looked after. Uh, so he started this ministry and it's in, it was incredible. Over 10,000 orphans looked um, after, educated, fed, housed during that period. But one thing you might not know is his key and foundational purpose in starting this orphanage. Uh, like me, you might have assumed that his heart to start the orphanage was to look after orphans. But as you read his story, You read that there was a higher purpose. And right at the beginning of um, starting this ministry, his purpose was, his goal was, his desire was that people would see that God is a God who answers prayer and can be trusted. Um, It was like a, a mini experiment. That's what, as I read it, I got this feeling like he was there to put on display. God's faithfulness and power. That was his desire. After that, the orphans would be looked after, but his main desire is that people would see how great God is and how he answered prayer. How did he do this? He said, well, I reckon I'm a a poor man and if I can start an orphanage and I won't ask anyone for help or, or let my needs be known, all I will do is pray. And that's what he did. He even told his staff and others working, don't, don't let people know our needs, let the needs be known to the Father, and he will provide. And over 60 years, he documented, answered prayer. As I said, 10,000 orphans looked after, millions of dollars, the equivalent of, in and through that ministry was provided, all without him asking. And uh, he, he documented 50,000 answered prayers, specific documented answered prayers of provision and different prayers throughout those 60 years. 30,000 of those um, were answered within a day or sometimes within the hour that they were prayed. Incredible, incredible story of the way that God powerfully answers prayer. He wrote himself, he said, I have joyfully dedicated my whole life to the object of exemplifying how much may be accomplished by um, by prayer and faith. Let me just read that. What a a great desire for your life. I have joyfully dedicated my whole life to the object of exemplifying or portraying how much may be accomplished by prayer and faith. And so as we look at this last chapter, this last passage in James, it's James teaching us about the, the power of prayer as we faithfully ask God to intervene in our lives and specifically to bring healing. Let's have a look in James 5, the verses 13 to 20. James writes, Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Well, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like this little verse. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Basically saying, You read the the miracles of Elijah, incredible, but just remember he was a person just like you and I. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now the first a few verses here sort of speak about the foundational basis of prayer coming out of a place of relationship and communion. Like that is God's desire to know us and to relate to us and commune with us. It's, it's, it's a relationship. Day by day, moment by moment even. And he says, if anyone is in trouble, let them turn to God and pray. On the other end of the scale, if, if anyone's happy, well, let them sing songs of thankfulness to God. Either way, wherever you are, whatever your circumstance is, turn to God and respond to him. If you're suffering, just come before him and ask for help or in trouble. If you're happy, just sing songs of praise. And don't we read this in the Psalms, particularly through David, as he, his, his heart is day by day responding in relationship. But then he goes on to this specific need around prayer for healing. Not not just a a need for healing, but some steps or like a procedure, very practical advice. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so here we see James getting very practical again. Okay, if you're sick, maybe this person was bedridden, call for the elders of the church to come It speaks of anointing with oil. Now, there's nothing magical about that, although just the Scriptures speak of it being um, symbolic of being consecrated to the Lord or coming under the the anointing or the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing yourself before God in that way. And so here at Bridgman, we often, we want to find that. When I see something in the passage of Scriptures like this, I'm like, well, here we go, God. Here's a a particular situation, someone's sick, and here's a particular direction that we can follow. So this is why we we love to have the prayer and healing services, two o'clock today, just to humbly come, just humbly come and pray and ask God to intervene. In our services, often an opportunity to pray and be anointed with oil. And we have seen the power of God in these instances, People being healed, often at a prayer and healing service, people will come and one of the first things we do is we give thanks to God for the, the miracles that have happened in individuals' lives and they come and, and share those. I was even thinking in my own life, I was born um, with a hole in my heart as a baby and my mother and father have told me the story that as I had this hole in um, my heart, they got the church and those around them to pray for me And when I then travelled to Brisbane to get tests, there was no sign of the hole in the heart. And the doctor said to my parents, clearly, I I can't explain um, why there's no sign of it. And my mum and dad said, well, I just want to let you know we've been praying. Our church has been praying. We believe God has healed. God does still heal. He still works in incredible ways. This is who God is. James is saying, just understand this is who he is. And if you are sick, come to him and ask for prayer. I do want to also say, though, there is a sense of mystery, just humbly putting it before, there is a sense of mystery in healing and prayer where there are unanswered prayers. Uh, I remember hearing a story of two people coming to a prayer and healing service here at Bridgman, both with a similar diagnosis, quite a serious diagnosis. One went away healed, or found out later healed, one not. I don't understand that, but throughout the Scriptures, there is this sense of sometimes there is unanswered prayer. Even Jesus himself, Jesus, fully God, righteous, full of faith, prayed and asked that God would take the cup for him. From him as he went to the cross. And in that, there's a request, but it wasn't answered. God had a different way. The Apostle Paul, if you read through Acts, incredible miracles. You read this little uh, few uh, verses there where it says that the the Apostle Paul, they're working such great miracles, like even a, a rag or a piece of cloth that he had touched, people would touch that and they would be healed. Amazing, miraculous. But then even himself, he had his thorn in his flesh and he cried out to God three times. He says, Lord, take this from me. And God didn't heal him. And God had a different purpose and showed Paul in that. There's some of the people he did ministry with, he, was, he, he didn't heal them, he couldn't heal them. So there's a, a mystery, I wanna say that. And so on this spectrum, I think, in terms of looking at healing, we can find ourselves in maybe a few different camps, one would say, This is a promise. Would say, Jesus can heal, a prayer of faith, anoint, you will be healed. I remember going on a mission trip to Fiji when I was just 21 years old, and we went over and we were in this remote village, and uh, someone had brought this sick person to us. The majority of the team were probably early 20s like, or, or younger. And. Uh, we were there praying and the leader said to us, okay, as we pray for this person, um, let's pray with faith that God can do this. And within me, now uh, this is just maybe my misunderstanding at that point, but I was like, oh, Lord, give me faith. I don't, I don't want this person not to be healed because I'm, I don't have faith here. And in me, I was like trying to whip up this faith. Oh God, give me faith to, to be able to believe this. I don't think that's what this is about. And I'll, I'll share that. But I don't think, at one end you've got this spectrum that like, if, if God can do it, he will heal. We know it, it's for sure. But also similarly on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes we can, even if we know God and know that he can heal, we don't do anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, We're just like, well, maybe he could, but will I get prayer or will I go to the elders or will I ask someone to pray for healing? Should I expect healing, well maybe we'd be a bit conservative, maybe a bit um, just gently, gently and not actually ask and go after what God has for us. But I think in the middle somewhere there's this, this place of faithful expectancy, you know, expecting God to do great things and to come before him humbly in faith. And I want to say it's not about us having enough faith. Um, Just working that up. Let me just explain why I say that. I'm so encouraged by the story in Matthew 9 of a father who has a young boy who's demon-possessed and he brings this little boy to the disciples and to Jesus and the disciples couldn't heal him. And he goes to Jesus and he says, um, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus picks him up on just this little word. He says, if you can. He said, everything is possible. Don't doubt my capabilities. Don't don't put that if in there. I, I am able. I am capable. Don't doubt that. Anything is possible for who believes. And then the man's response is this. He says, Jesus, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. You see that? Like it's like, honestly, openly, Jesus. I know who you are. I see. I hear. I've heard heard stories. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Similarly, Jesus speaks about um, the faith of a mustard seed. Why would he use mustard seed? Because it's tiny. Jesus says, "With the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain," is what Jesus says. What he's getting at there is it's not necessarily the size of your faith. What's important is where that faith is placed. The faith is not in what we can do or anyone else can do. It's the faith in God being able to do do it, His capacity. R.T. Francis, speaking about this this faith, says it is important to observe here that it is not the amount of faith that brings the impossible within reach, but it's the power of God which is available to the smallest of faith. E.M. Bounds, speaking about prayer, defines it in this way. He says, prayer can do anything God can do. What he's saying is that prayer opens us up To the work of God in our lives. So, prayer can actually do anything that God can actually do. And so, in faith, it's not the amount of faith, but is it placed in a God who can do all things? We can see this walked out in in the scriptures in a few little instances or well known stories. Um, Peter was walking on the water, Jesus had invited him to walk on the water. And he was walking on the water, looking at Jesus, but then his focus changed <coughs> excuse me and he looked at the wind and became anxious and began to sink. And Jesus said, "Why did you doubt the sense that you had trusted and you were looking at me. Look at me and my capability. Don't look at um, what either you're capable of or the situation around you. Trust in me." And I love the example of David and Goliath. David the shepherd boy who had seen God help him defeat the lion and the bear out as a shepherd boy comes to this giant where all the Israel army are scared and fearful and immobilised. But here this little boy in seeing Goliath sees Goliath before God and says well God you can do this. You are far bigger than Goliath. So where is David's faith? It's it's not in what he can do because he knows God and has experienced over time the faithfulness of God to do what he can't do. That's where his faith was orientated or placed. On the other side, the the soldiers or the army were looking at what they could do, looking at this massive giant and were immobilised by fear. Uh, their faith wasn't in God and what he could do. The faith was in what they might be able to do in that situation. So it's all about the, the placement of our faith, not, not the size of it. And this morning, there will be an opportunity if, if you have a, a, a need that you would like prayed over, whether it be a physical sickness or something like that, I want to encourage us, come, even coming to pray is an action of faith. Getting out of your seat and saying, God, I believe you can, you can heal. I believe you can work in this situation. And even if it is just a mustard seed, even if you have to come, like, like that, that man to say, well, God, I believe you can heal. I believe you can work in this situation. Help me with my unbelief to trust him. And to look for him and I want to invite later um, people to come and just to, to ask for prayer and ask God to do it but don't look at yourself and whether you're worthy or anything like this just look at him and his capability the second part of this passage in praying for healing is this connection with a confessing of sin in verse 15 it says and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise them up If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So he's speaking here, not only are they going to anoint and pray, but within this conversation with the person, there's this sense of a confessing of sin and being forgiven for sin. A sense of getting right with God and getting right with others in relationships. Not only with this individual, but then it goes on to say, all of us confess to one another that you might be healed. There's this sense of bringing our sin before Jesus and being washed and cleansed uh, and getting our, our relationships right that that can lead to healing. Before I move further on that, I just wanna put a little bit of a disclaimer there. There has been lots of damage and uh, done with people who might have had the misunderstanding or the belief or maybe even been told in certain instances that you are sick or suffering because of your sin. Let me just allay that. It is not um, true. I'll, I'll explain this a bit further. Even Jesus' disciples um, had this question. You might remember when this man was born blind, And Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, this this man is born blind, was it his sin that he's born blind or was it his parents' sin? Because I mean, if he's born blind, how could it be his own sin? He hasn't even been born yet. So maybe it's his parents' sin. But at the core of their question was this assumption that if, if this man's blind or he's sick, that he's been sinning. There's some sort of sin involved. And Jesus said, no, it wasn't any of that it was that my works could be displayed in his life so you can't correlate or associate those two things <coughs> excuse me the brokenness in this world is and sickness is a part of life we, we all are, we're not immune to sickness and to hardship and suffering but the book of job um, warns us to not just associate with someone suffering or sickness with their sin. Um, Jesus took the punishment. Like God, God doesn't punish us in that way. God, Jesus has taken that. But having said that, you know, as as we come, we can just come before God and just uh, be forgiven for our sin at, at any point. But having said that, there are instances in the Bible where it says that there is a connection between sickness and the sin. Uh, Jesus healed a man and then as he he went away, he said, please stop sinning or something worse might happen. Something worse might happen is what he said. And in the Corinthian church, they were warned in terms of taking communion that they should always um, examine their hearts before they have communion because some who have taken it in an unworthy fashion have become sick because of that apart from that our sin has a physical effect on us there's a spiritual connection with our physical health as well Uh, if if we have certain addictions it will impact our health guilt and shame maybe anger or unforgiveness or resentment long term in a life unconfessed sin in these areas it will have an effect on our physical health And that's because sin has at its nature uh, a part of eating us away, like internally. We can't have sin and it not take effect um, in our lives. I am someone who hates going to the dentist. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone can relate to me in that. But I might eat some ice cream or something like this and I get like some sensitivity there, some pain there. And I'll just hold that for a few seconds and let it go and just ignore the fact that anything is happening in my mouth. I haven't, I I said in the first uh, service, I haven't been blessed with good teeth, but I realise actually it might not be the teeth, it might be the way that I've looked after them over the years, but there's quite a few issues at times with my teeth. But what I would often do is ignore the signs. And there may be a hole there, there might be a cavity building there, and there is decay growing and eating my tooth away. Me ignoring it does not help that situation. It is not fixed until it, was dealt, it is dealt with and taken to the person that can heal it. I am very thankful for some gracious dentists. I tell you, I open my mouth, and I'm like, oh Lord, may they have grace on me. It's an embarrassment sometimes. Maybe we're a bit embarrassed about our sin too. But I want to tell us, unconfessed sin in our life will have an impact. We also love to hide our sin and it leads to isolation. And similar to my teeth, it will continue to impact our souls will eat away at our souls while it is unresolved and James says in the process of praying for healing examine your heart is there unconfessed sin in your heart and I believe that this is not just a a process in praying for healing this is the life of the Christian that the Lord calls us to keep short accounts with him you know to confess our sin, to ask Him to forgive us, but also in our relationship, when when things are out of whack, when we hurt other people, when we're we'll impacted by other people, to get things right with other people, because it has an effect on our life. Not only that, but He wants to bring healing, and as we confess our sins to God and to one another, there is a healing work that comes. John 1, 8 to 10 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Don't, don't hide it. We, we have a, such a gracious God who, who wants us to bring our sin before him, who wants to cleanse us, who has powerfully done that in Jesus and wants to bring freedom and, and healing in that area of our life. Don't hide it. Don't be like Andrew and his tooth, but bring it. Bring it and get healing in your life. Bring it and get healing and freedom in your deepest most parts. He goes on to say, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claimed we have no sins, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What an incredible opportunity for us. Like the reality is, we all sin. The reality is day by day. But here is a practice for us to continue to come before God and be right with Him and to be right with each other. That is the life of the Christian. That is the life of freedom. That is the life of, of love. You know, Jesus speaks about you know, even before you bring an offering or before you have communion, if you've got something wrong, if there's something wrong with your brother or sister, go and deal with it before you even come. Why does He say that? It's for our own good, for our own healing, for the healing of the community, for the healing in our relationships. And he knows that it's powerful and effective. The other aspect of sickness is that that it humbles us, that, that we know our own vulnerability and fragility in the midst of sickness. And even in that, as we come humbly before God, he can do a great spiritual work in us. A number of people have testified that in this church, that as they've been through a sickness journey, that as they've humbled and seek God and experienced God, they've experienced his grace in a way not that they hadn't experienced before. Because they've needed him, they've drawn close to him. And there can be a healing that comes from that rather than living independently from God. Many have said that I would not trade my sickness, that journey, health journey for the world because of what God has done in the midst of it. There's also the the sense that unforgiven sin, um, that the stress and the anxiety, the resentment, these things take its toll, but Jesus comes and cleanses and breaks through in these areas to give the greater freedom. It's amazing as we read these scriptures how God often can bring a story that so well illustrates what James is speaking about or the scriptures speak about. Um, Nathan didn't mention it in this service, but in the first service, Andrew McNally and his mother Meryl were here in the service and Andrew's father Brian died through the week and Elise, I think his sister is listening online as well and we share our sympathies with you, Elise. Um, but I spoke to Andrew during the week around this story. And a little over 10 weeks ago, Andrew was here in this church and um, he'd known that his father was, was sick and he, he was prompted just to, to reflect on his relationship with his father. And in that, he reflected that there was a distance and he was talking to Pastor Matt here and he said, look, there's just a distance in our relationship and in the the course of that conversation, um, through Matt, um, Andrew was prompted to go to his father and ask for forgiveness for his part in the distance in that relationship. And just a bit of a a back story, Andrew's father had been... um, He was a Christian but had struggled with alcoholism for 20 years and that had really damaged um, some of the relationships in the family. And so Andrew, you know, not judging there, like we all bring our sin and he was very honouring of his father, there's no judgement there, but that was the case for them and a lot of their relationship would have been impacted by his father's alcoholism. And that following week he rang his father and he said to his dad, he said, Dad, you know now that I'm a father, I realise it's a it's a pretty tough gig. It, it's hard to be a father, and I know there's some distance between us. But I I want to say sorry for my part in that distance in our relationship. I want to ask for your forgiveness for that. And Andrew said it was a powerful conversation. His dad said to him, "I, I don't, Andrew. There's nothing I I hold against you. You are forgiven." But Andrew said, everything changed in his father's life in that moment. His father's heart was was healed. He had this addiction to alcohol that in the next ten weeks, um, he didn't have, there was no need for any medication or anything like that. There was freedom in that area of his life. Not only that, but through that simple confession, there was healing not just in Andrew's relationship with his father, but also with his sister Elise and his mother Merrill. Complete reconciliation, and they said they had ten weeks of like sweet relationship with their father, husband, before he died. Amazing the work that happened through that confession and the healing that happened. I just want to read. What Andrew wrote, he said, We have seen the power of God to instantly heal the long standing struggle that had got the better of my dad for 20 plus years and its damaging effect on our family. After I walked with him into the QE2 ED, dad was miraculously changed. No need for withdrawal medication from his alcoholism, he was at ease, he was free and peaceful. Jesus in his kindness had restored dad to us and us to him in a new way and enabled our family to be the beneficiaries of all of this before we even found out the fullness of the prognosis. God was gracious and that he gave us 10 weeks of enjoying dad. Jesus has removed the potential of unresolved regret to rob our future at his passing. He replaced it with love and thanksgiving. The fallacy of my thinking has been exposed. Whilst I believed God could do anything, I had thought Dad would continue to struggle in this part of his life, that it was out of reach of God. The years had proven the stubbornness of, his, of this hurdle, but Jesus moved the mountain in an instant. Nothing was too difficult. I wonder how many situations in our life we might be sitting there just like Andrew, thinking it's too big for God. But God did it, he said instantly, moved it like a mountain. He said, Dad had talked openly about his legacy well before his hospitalisation. It was probably defined more in financial terms. But this season has shown us that Dad's real legacy, the monument that stands and speaks to us today, I believe, as the most important marker was this. Look at what Jesus can do. He is powerful. He can restore. He can heal. He can reconcile by the power of His word. Only God can use an inoperable, aggressive brain tumor for His glory. Isn't it incredible what Jesus has done in this situation? (laughs) Incredible. Imagine his dad. 20 years of addiction, brokenness in his family. In that moment, finding healing. Who struggles with guilt, resentment, addiction? Here he was healed. I wonder how much. I don't know the stories. I don't. But how much of the alcoholism is because of maybe guilt and feelings of shame? I don't know. But I know Jesus can break through in those areas of our lives. And today... If you have these in your heart, come to Jesus for healing. Confess and ask God to come and bring freedom in your life. Here he was, no condemnation, freed from condemnation, freed from shame, passed into glory. Not healed this side of heaven. But I tell you, Resurrected body, that's what he is experiencing now. Fullness of life now, and he passed in peace, knowing Jesus and what he has done, fully and physically healed in Jesus. And for Andrew's family, precious moments shared, no regrets, no resentment. I spoke to Andrew, he said, I wondered what it would be like if my dad passed away in that state, the resentment and the, the memories. But there was no distance nothing but healing and thankfulness and love for his, his dad. And if I'm getting the sense right, there's such an appreciation for the, the different dad he had for those 10 weeks that maybe he wished he had that for much more. But he was so thankful that there was just that loving memory of his father because Jesus broke through. And, and I can't help but think of when Andrew was here and prompted to talk to his father. Not an easy conversation. He said that, not an easy conversation, but he was prompted and he obeyed and and I'm sure he had no idea the fullness of what God was doing, but he obeyed and God did the rest. God did what he thought was impossible. God did more than he could ever imagine. And I just wanna say, if you are being prompted in any way, as you search your heart and ask God to come and to search your heart, Come to Jesus to ask Him to bring healing. If it is something that might need to be confessed, don't don't wait a moment. If there's something in your life a little bit like that, that decay in my tooth, bring it to Jesus. He is the best doctor. He is the best dentist. He wants to heal your heart, my heart, to bring fullness of life. And the power is that it's done, it's finished. We just need to confess and ask Jesus to come, and this morning, just in this last song that we sing, I want to invite you to come and respond to God. That there might be a similar story of God intervening in your life. If you if you have a, a sickness, an illness, something that you would like prayer for, you can come. Just humbly come, even if it is to say. Lord, I've got a mustard seed, but I'm bringing that mustard seed of faith and I'm putting it in you to do what only you can do. To come, come and ask for prayer this morning. Let that faith move you into action to be prayed. And if there is anything just that might need confessing, maybe in your relationships, this is Andrew's story, I believe, is not a one off story. We live in a mixed up world with mixed up relationships. But the people of God, because we know that we're forgiven, we can forgive others. We can be on the front for it. Even Andrew just been on the front saying, I'm gonna, take, I'm gonna take ownership for my part in this and I wanna get it right. I wanna get it right with God and I wanna get it right with others. I, I just feel like it's not just a one-off story. This is the story in many families, in many relationships. And if you want, if you want help for that, if you want God's help, wisdom, you wanna confess that, Ask for someone to pray for you, as Matt did for Andrew. You come and pray today. God is a loving God who wants to bring healing and fullness of life into our lives. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I wanna thank you that you are still a living God and you are still doing the work, bringing your kingdom into the lives of people day in, day out, now, 2,000 years after you left this earth. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, the Holy Spirit with us here today. I thank you that you speak. I thank you that you prompt. And Lord, we just wanna be obedient to that. And Lord Jesus, what we're doing is just humbling ourselves and asking that you would do what only you could do, Lord, for those that need healing, I pray that even in this moment, they can put their faith and their trust in You. Lord, You are able. Lord, for those of us with with broken relationships or, or sin that might need to be confessed, Lord, help us not to hide that, not to allow it to isolate us. But Lord, bring it to You that we might find freedom to confess it, to confess it to you, confess to one another, make things right between you and between others. Lord, bring healing in relationships here, we pray. And so Lord, just lead us here, we pray. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your your presence here with us today. We just commit these things into your hands, in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue to worship, but there will be, uh, some oil here if you want prayer and anointing uh, the prayer team and pastors will be here to pray as we sing this song come just come in faith come in faith to to seek God and to ask him to intervene in your situation let's do that now
1: Darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, yes, you are. We make a miracle work. Promise keep a light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Well,
0: God, we wanna thank you that that is truly who you are. You're a God who wants to bring healing. Jesus, I was just talking to Andrew just out in the courtyard about this. Jesus, this is who you are. You wanna come into life. You wanna change hearts, Lord. You wanna bring a healing. Even where we see it as impossible, God, you come and you do your work. It's not our work, it's your work. And we wanna thank you, Jesus, for the incredible gift of forgiveness, the incredible power of forgiveness, that Lord, we can live with freedom, that we can live without guilt, without sin, without shame, Lord Jesus, the, the punishment of any sin, Lord, you, you bring freedom. And so Lord, I pray You would wash us afresh here this morning. May we open our hearts to anything within us, Lord, just forgive us, cleanse us, Heal us, Lord Jesus, that we can walk in grace and love and bestow that upon others. And Lord, I do pray, anyone here today, maybe listening online as well, struggling in relationships where there's hurt, particularly maybe over a number of years, Lord, we pray that through humility, confession, Lord, you would bring healing, that you would bring reconciliation, give wisdom in those circumstances, but bring refreshment and life into those relationships. This is your way, Jesus. The way of of confession, of forgiveness, of grace. You doing this in our hearts and our relationships. We pray for that. And Lord, like Mueller, I wanna pray, God, that people would see who You are. People would see how great You are. That You would be glorified through these situations as well. We just praise You. We we can't praise You enough. We can't honour You enough. Actually, could we all just give uh, God just a clap? Just worship Him here. God, You are amazing. You are amazing, God. We thank You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. If if you'd want prayer, please come forward. Take a seat. Yeah, please take a seat. Don't forget today at two o'clock is our prayer and healing service. Uh, also, if you're online and maybe you wanna give us a, a prayer request, if we can be praying for you, we'd love to do that as well. And again, drink up coffee, apple juice, supporting the chaplains, uh, that's all there, and the milkshakes for the kids too. Thank you so much, we'll see you next week.